Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well and everybody's feeling good. Another episode today, um, as we had the last few on spiritual exercises and practices, we're going to be shifting gears today, right? Uh, with those few episodes in a row there, I'm encouraging that we all adopt some type of spiritual practice, spiritual exercises on a daily, uh, regular basis. I think it's a good way to use our time. And that is a flawless segue into today's discussion, which is on living in the moment, right? So if you're in my class, I have posted that chapter to Blackboard. We're going to be using it as we always do, right? A little meditation, some text for your consideration, and then we'll do lectures here, right? So on living in the moment, for me, we're going to take one of two approaches to that idea, right? So what is the present moment? There's a mathematical understanding of it, right? Like literally just the passing and flow of time. I'm not that interested in that, right? Because it's so, the present moment is so infinitesimally small, right? That it's hard to really grapple with that, in my opinion. I'm not a physicist. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the main way we're looking at it is more through this sort of lens of consciousness, right? So the moment as in the place, the time we inhabit right now, consciously with our awareness, we can kind of get a hold of the present moment, right? We're not distracted by thoughts of the future. We're not distracted by memories of the past. That's where we are when we're talking about living in the present moment, right? So we can feel it, we can think about it, and we can fill this time which is the now with something meaningful, right? As we said already in class, definitely warrants re-mentioning though, the only time anything is possible is in the present, right? So the next few episodes, I'm hoping we can kind of illuminate or illustrate some of the good things about thinking about the future, some of the bad things you want to avoid, some of the good things about thinking about the past and some of the things we want to avoid. And of course, with this episode, among probably one or two others, what is the present to us? How can we use the present moment? Why is living in the present moment so meaningful and important for a healthy, flourishing life, right? So today's episode, I think I want to focus on this idea of kind of losing track of time as a way of living in the moment, right? I think I'll elaborate on that a little bit, but that's generally what I want to get at today, right? So I want to start off with a great quote, I think, from the meditation section of the chapter on living in the moment that we have, right? So question four says, when do you lose track of time? So for me, when you're doing something where you lose track of time, obviously you're focused on it. You're kind of in the zone, if you will, right? Um, you're in a, maybe a flow state where you're so focused and concentrated on what's occurring that time kind of ceases to exist, right? And we've all experienced this. I'm saying it in kind of a strange way, but this has happened to everybody, right? Um, you're having a great conversation. You lose track of time. You're really writing a paper. You lose track of time. You're working on a project at work that's actually engaging, right? It's not so difficult that it's like pulling teeth and it's not so easy that it doesn't require your attention. So you're really engaged, right? This is about attention as well, right? That, that word's going to come up a lot uh, in these chapters. So the quote from Seneca that I think is great is, when one is busy and absorbed in one's work, they, the absorption affords great delight. So like, when do you get absorbed in a task, right? So he's saying... Um, in one's work, right? And we can, I think, interpret that word in a broad sense. If you're fortunate enough to have a career right now or a job right now that does this for you, again, you're absorbed, you're engaged. And I don't think it necessarily means you're happy. I think that's kind of a different idea. I think it means you're in harmony. You're not distracted by anything. You're in this moment with this task, right? So one, I think, again, if you're lucky enough to have a job or a career that does this for you already, that's that's great, right? Let's take account of that and let's break it down because you can't be at work always, obviously, nor should you be. But if we could get down to the kind of constituent elements or the small components of why this task 
or set of tasks that you have at work gets you so absorbed, helps you lose track of time in a way that's, again, harmonious with who you think you should be. Worst case scenario, you lose your job, right? Okay, well, you don't want to lead an unhappy life. So if we know what about these tasks, what about this work helps us live in the moment more specifically, that's helpful, right? Because again, maybe you have to change jobs. Maybe you your company you know gets shut down, whatever. You have to maybe transfer some of that stuff. But if you've never really confronted it, what is it about these things that get you so engaged, right? You're going to be at a loss. So take a moment. This is very much a spiritual exercise, right, in light of our conversations the past few episodes. And think about what about these tasks gets you so engaged. So for me, like I like a good just like back and forth, right? So by that, I mean, I, as you see, I do this podcast, sort of represents that a little bit, but I prefer to teach, right? Because why? When I'm teaching, we can go back and forth. I can listen to you. I can respond. You can respond to me. And there's something very engaging about that for me. There's something rewarding about that for me, right? When we're aiming to you know, help each other improve or, you know, guide each other in a way, I think that for me, a good conversation is one of the things that helps me lose track of time. And one of the reasons for that is that there's something about the back and forth that I really enjoy, right? So it's, it's this idea of back and forth, for example, that I can carry over to other things, right? So for me, just another kind of way to illustrate the point, I'm currently doing a course, um, getting certified to be a philosophical consultant, right? So it's not necessarily teaching, but it's taking one of my favorite parts of teaching, which would be engaging with individuals going back and forth, asking questions, again, kind of in a dialogical way, and it's moving it to something else. That, of course, is very similar, but nonetheless, I'm not signing up, for example, for a class that's going to help me be more organized, or I'm not looking for extra work where one of the primary roles will be to do a lot of paperwork, because I'm not good at that, and I don't like doing that. That doesn't help me lose track of time at all. When I have to sit and do a task that involves filling out any type of paperwork or a task that involves organizing physical things, I want it to be over. Whereas, and this, I hope this comes across in my teaching, I think it does, like I could talk for hours with people about topics that involve, again, like we're going to help each other out or, again, philosophy for me as a form of therapy, right? We're getting rid of some stress. Hopefully I'm giving you something useful. We can have a laugh as we're doing it, right? So for me, like all of those things move over, those specific things into how I might work with someone out of a classroom just on an individual basis, right? So philosophical consulting is essentially, to give it a very quick summary, is sort of like philosophy as a form of therapy, right? Where you sit down with an individual and kind of, again, grapple with whatever they're struggling with or what have you, right? So I'm taking this breakdown of, okay, why do I love teaching so much, right? And I'm trying to see where else I can put it in my life that will make me feel good, right? So another thing I think, a, a part of my, sticking with my teaching example, right? I feel good when I feel useful. That when I'm trying to help somebody, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not like, oh, when's this person gonna get over it? I'm not like, oh, I can't I really enjoy going back. I'll go back and forth for hours, as I said, right? That doesn't that gives me energy and keeps me living in the moment. Because I have to listen to you attentively in order to be as useful as I can possibly be. And being useful, which is to say, feeling like I reached out to somebody, helped them out, makes me feel good about myself. Right, puts me in the moment and gives me something to do. So there's other ways in my life that I've seen. I've seen myself do this with my friends and stuff. I've become somebody who, amongst my friends, like you know, if you come hang out and there's a situation you want to discuss, like I'm never going to turn you down. I don't care where we are. 
like, oh, like you're really upset about this. I don't care if we're in public. I'll just, we'll just talk. I don't, doesn't bother me at all. Right. So I've, I've come to realize that even in my friendships and my family relationships, I tend to do this thing. Right. So the new now it's a six week course. I have to pay for it. It's a lot of studying, but it feels worth it to me. And when I'm reading this stuff, I'm in the moment with it. I'm not even caring about time. And that's a great feeling. Right. So kind of a long winded example, but I think it's emblematic or representative of what Seneca is saying. Just being absorbed in the work. I don't care that much about getting the certific- like certification and, you know, hopefully maybe making a, somewhat of a living out of it. That's not what I'm really concerned about. This work right now, that idea doesn't even dawn on me when I'm reading the textbooks, when I'm taking notes and thinking about how I could use what I'm learning for these podcasts or in future teaching as well, right? So if you have a task like that already in your life or a set of tasks, break it down so you can see the smaller parts that could then serve you in creating even more happiness in your life, right? A lot of times too, it's going to happen organically. The more I started teaching, the more I started becoming that friend and then it became conscious and I could do it even better, right? So break it down so we could try to populate our lives with tasks and people and ideas that allow us to do the things that put us in the moment. So obviously with my friends, just to be very clear, I'm not like teaching, right? Necessarily, I'm not, you know, actually I don't even know. I think all relationships, we have a chapter coming up on love and relationships, all good relationships involve teaching and learning, right? We have to do that to each other because at the end of the day, nobody's the same. So we have to learn how to guide each other through teaching and learning. But I mean, at the end of the day, when I teach, I'm usually, it's a slightly different, but honestly, not that different situation, right? Um, That being said, like there's no curriculum when I'm hanging out with my friends, right? I'm not like going to ask my friends to read stuff, although I suggest, okay, it's what it is. Anyway, so yes. Break down the tasks to little things that are in the tasks that can guide us through life more. Again, to choose the right things that make us feel fulfilled, right? That's going to be a big word we're going to discuss and big idea later with another episode, likely. The idea of when you're living in the moment, you feel full. You're not wanting anything. To want, again, is to put something into the future. You're not missing or, you know, again, missing anything. You're not yearning for the past, right? You're, you're full in this moment, right? So on that note, quick exercise from our exercises section, for those of you um, in my class, of course, write down three activities that encourage you to lose track of time. Like what are three things that you do where time is not an issue? Those are tasks, activities, whatever you want to call them, in my opinion, that encourage you and help you and facilitate you living in the moment. Right? And again, we're going to talk a lot about why living in the moment is so important. But I want to stick with this idea for a second of just addressing the moment and almost seeing living in the moment as a task, right? So as I said, tasks like teaching, tasks like going back and forth with people in a dialogue, tasks like being useful or being of service are all things that work for me, right? Whereas tasks like organizing things, like physical things, I know people who love that. I know people, again, whose whole careers are based on the construction of physical things, like engineers, for example. They're very into that. Like people who love to draw, that's a different thing than what I'm, than, than what helps me live in the moment, right? If someone, this is actually a real example. I went to one of those paint nights. Uh, I pretty much stopped painting after 20 minutes because I'm like, this is not, it wasn't working for me. And I still had fun. I was cool, whatever. But ultimately, like it doesn't get me living in the moment. I'm checking my watch. Let's put it that way. So that being said, let's talk about this idea again of taking care of the moment as a task. We got a great reading from The Art of Living by Epictetus, number one, the first one in our Some Discourse for Your Consideration section in my class. And I'll read from Epictetus here. He tells us, 
Caretake this moment. Immerse yourself in its particulars. Respond to this person, this challenge, this deed. So that is a task. He's asking you to not just be there, but to immerse yourself in the details. And again, this kind of works with what gets me in the moment, right? I'm responding to this student. I'm going to immerse myself in what they're saying so I can really pay attention and hopefully say something that adds value for them. I want to offer something good to them. I can't do that if I'm not listening attentively, right? So maybe even a follow-up question might be, what calls your attention already in your life? How can you do that more, right? Then respond to this challenge, respond to this deed or action. Don't think about other actions. Again, I'm not thinking about the final exam for my certification when I'm reading. I'm with the reading, right? It's how do we cultivate this idea of being with the moment, with the task that is with us right now, right? Quit the evasions. So stop trying to escape stuff. A lot of times when we're dreaming about the future, we're reminiscing about the past, we're avoiding something. Stop giving yourself needless trouble. Great line, we're going to return to that. Thinking too much about the future, needless trouble. Thinking too much about the past, needless trouble. We'll talk about why in a couple episodes. It is time to really live, to fully inhabit the situation you happen to be in now. You are not some disinterested bystander. Participate. Exert yourself. Great idea. Exert yourself. If you find yourself exerting yourself in a task, it's because you think it's worthwhile. That's a great concept, right? So what makes you exert yourself? Try your best. When do you not try your best? Right? You can't try your best if you're thinking about tomorrow. Right? Respect your partnership with providence. And providence in this case means the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. God or nature as providing such care, timely preparation for future eventualities. Right? You cannot be prepared for the future if you do not do things now for that future. Right? Great quote I'm, I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing here from Marcus Aurelius. Is, Don't worry about the future. You will greet it with the same sort of reason that you have right now. Sharpening the sword is a good idea. That only happens now, right? So continue here. Ask yourself often, how may I perform this particular deed such that it would be consistent with and acceptable to the divine will? And let's, for those of us who perhaps aren't uh, people of faith, right? Divine will, let's say my highest good. So you can be, you should be able to define those for yourself, right? We already had a whole chapter on purpose. You should know or be working to know and constantly evolve with your notions of what your highest potential is. Right? What's the best thing you can bring into the world? What's the best way you can feel? Right? So we can kind of work with those, I think, together just for argument's sake. Heed the answer and get to work. When your doors are shut and your room is dark, you are not alone. The will of nature is within you as your natural genius is within. That's cool. Your natural genius. And we could even for a moment connect that to a point made by Jean-Paul Sartre, right? A very different perspective than Epictetus, but nonetheless. He tells us, as we had, right, there are no, sorry, there is no genius outside of the works of genius, which means you have to make things, right? Which again, Epictetus is kind of agreeing with here, get to work. Listen to its importunings, follow its directives. Okay, follow its directives is very interesting. Now let's go to a more stoic view of things, for example, or even let's say ancient Greek in general. The muses, right, goddesses that would inspire people. You'd kind of get inspiration out of nowhere, boom, right? Or seemingly, and you'd attribute it to this divine thing. We've all experienced this too. You've been inspired before, 
Right? When you're really inspired, it's like you're taking directions. When, you, when you're writing a paper and it feels like it's writing itself or you're talking to somebody and it's like you're just in the moment. Again, this is in the moment type feeling, right? It's almost like you're just so engaged that you're just following the directions. Right? When you're really, like, when you're really good at something, like for example, in this book, Flow, it's a great book. I recommend you read it. Um, the author talks about a dancer, right? It's almost like you're so in the zone, you're not even there. The choreography is so a part of your mind, body, and soul. You know what you're doing so much that you in the moment are almost one, right? Or perhaps even are one. That's what the zone feels like. As concerns the art of living, the material is your own life. No great thing is created suddenly. There must be time. Give your best and always be kind. So great words of philosophical advice here from Epictetus to close, right? Give your best and always be kind. And once again, you cannot give your best with task A if you're preoccupied with or distracted by task B that's supposed to follow. You write a better paper if you focus on writing the paper instead of on the grade. The grade might make you nervous to even start the paper if you're concerned about what the grade is going to be. You won't establish your own sense of voice, which is the point of a good paper. You won't establish your own thinking and explain it and rationalize it well if you're worried about what the professor is going to think. But there's a lack of authenticity there. You have to authentically be in the moment with your own thinking and be willing to take that risk. And if you're trying your best, hopefully it goes well. Right? But we forestall our efforts on a tomorrow that may not be there, and we stop ourselves from taking efforts in the now because we fear the past might repeat itself. Or we have something in the past that we're allowing to paralyze us and hold us back, right? So how can we caretake this moment? Well, let's think about how we're already doing it, as we often do, right? Let's break that down. Let's see what has already in our lives given us this excellent feeling of being immersed in the moment such that we lose track of time. Let's try to populate our days with activities, people, and ideas that help us do that, and let's work on the skill ourselves to look at every moment, right? And again, don't turn away from it, don't space out, don't daydream. But think about even the sensory, the sensory experiences, right? The sights, the smells, the feels. Let's not be asleep to the fact that we're alive in this moment and that we can only ever be alive in this moment. We can train ourselves to look at the world with fresh eyes, which is to say an examining gaze such that we see and accept and hopefully are grateful for all the things in our present moment. Hope this is helpful. We will continue with this idea of living, on the, living in the moment for the next few episodes. And uh, thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon.